You might be feeling overwhelmed by the news cycle, by happenings in your family and your home. What if you are highly sensitive or if you are raising a highly sensitive child? Our guest today is going to shed light on highly sensitive people, either you or your child. Join us after these messages. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are your co-hosts, Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being on Boys listeners. We appreciate you. We also appreciate you supporting all of our sponsors. And one of our sponsors is Jen's very own Building Boys Bulletin. This is an email that comes into your inbox every single week. She combs and curates the latest news, studies, videos, articles, all the things that you don't have time to read, but as a boy advocate, you need to know about. So easy, go to buildingboys.net, click on that subscribe button, and for a low monthly fee, you will have that treasure of an email in your inbox every single Monday. Seems like we all might be susceptible to being overwhelmed by too much right now. Might be the news cycle, might be, as it is in Portland, yet another rainy day. Kids in school, you might be having some friend drama. All these things impact us to varying degrees, depending on how well-rested we are, or even if we've eaten lunch that day. However, for some highly sensitive people, even the small things can seem overwhelming and hard to manage. And you might just wonder, if you are highly sensitive, why do I feel so much and can't I just make it stop? Parenting a highly sensitive person has all the usual challenges of parenting with the added challenge of either being highly sensitive yourself or understanding this highly sensitive child that you're raising. Our guest today, Elaine Friend, a licensed psychotherapist, an international consultant on high sensitivity, and a highly sensitive person herself, is here to help us sort this out. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here on your interview, your podcast, and to really help parents raising boys. I'm one of you. Ah, and how old are your children? I have one highly sensitive boy, young man who is 21. (laughs) I have a 21 year old young man myself, Elaine. Uh, Listeners know I also have three other boys, uh, 16, 19 and 24. So yes, 
this is such a good place to start because here you are a highly sensitive person and then you become a highly sensitive parent and then you're raising a highly sensitive son. How, like where, where in this whole journey did you figure out that you are highly sensitive, that you are taking in, you know, sound and light differently than other people? Help us understand where the realization starts. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I know for sure. And even though I'm a, uh, a she, her, I female identified mostly, maybe a little bit of they, I, um, I was raised on a farm in Oklahoma, pretty rural upbringing. And in my family, and my mother was raised on a farm with four daughters and a son in her family. So the girls in our family were raised to, to be pretty rough and tumble. And, you know, we worked. And so I think I had some of that, the pressure to be maybe a little more boy-like than some girls who were raised. But I'll just say, I was told my entire life, you're too damn sensitive. What are you crying again? what are you crying about now? The world will eat you alive if you don't toughen up. Mm -hmm. And so I've always known that I was highly sensitive. I didn't know it was a thing until oh, my forties when mm -hmm. I was friends with someone who said, I think you're a, you're a highly sensitive person. And I think the kind of work you do, I work in nature with horses when I do psychotherapy, mostly this person, we were friends a bunch of therapists, friends at the barn. And she said, you're a highly sensitive person. I think your equine assisted work would be so great for HSPs. And I looked at her and I'm like, really, you too? Where do you get off? <laughs> she said, have you ever read the book? And I'm like, no, what is she said? It's called the highly sensitive person. Look it up. Well, she's the author. Oh my uh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> she knows so of she, she, talks, she did huh? know what she was talking about. She kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> and that just became, became a long journey for me, but you know, truthfully, I write a little bit about, you know, in my about stuff about how I grew up in Al-Anon, which is a 12-step program for families of alcoholics. And it's just a really, really good program for living. If And I think alcoholism is the U.S. national illness, frankly. I don't know anyone who's not impacted by someone else's drinking or using or addiction. Now we're all addicted to the screens, so all the more so. But mm -hmm. I got a program for living and that was great. And then I had a child and I had learned how to manage who I was to take care of myself so that I could thrive in the world. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think we should just take a moment if it's okay to talk about how do you know if we're talking about just being sensitive yes. or the, the temperament of sensitivity to one's environment, which is different than the trait of highly sensitive people. Oh, okay. Yes, please do. So I think it's really important if you know what, where you fall on all this. And I've made, mm -hmm. there's a lot of, I did a whole workshop on neurodiversity and there's a lot of talk out there in the world about, you know, the ADHD crowd, the autism spectrum crowd, and then highly sensitive people get lumped in with that. And we are certainly neurodiverse, but the other two are more diagnoses. And this is just a trait that you're born with. So that's the most important thing about being highly sensitive is and that. Let me ask as we're, yeah. as we're going forward, mm -hmm. I'm guessing like you could be highly sensitive and have ADHD. You can be highly sensitive and be on the autism spectrum. Is that, is that right? It may be right, but it's highly unlikely. And okay. Very uncommon. Let's, let's get into this then. What, how do we know? Yeah. 
Okay. How do you know if you're highly sensitive? Let's start there. There are four characteristics of highly sensitive people. And Elaine Aaron has, you know, back in the nineties coined the term and started doing exhaustive research. And she and her husband are research psychologists. And they took also lots of childhood and infant research from the past hundred years. Uh, Carl Jung first was one of the early people to address this concept of being highly sensitive. So they looked at the last hundred years of research and they went back and they applied high sensitivity to it. And they were able to extrapolate the temperament research to see its presence throughout. So it's found in 15 to 20% of over a hundred species. We think it's in every species. It's even in fruit flies and pumpkin seed sunfish, the researchers have found. Wow. So, wow. Oh, no, is that crazy? And all we are not alone have, as humans. <laughs> We're not alone. It means that you have a more reactive brain, basically a very highly reactive brain and a very finely tuned nervous system. So you look for these four characteristics in yourselves and everybody who's listening to this, you just think about yourself or your child who you think might, might be sensitive right now. D, it's an acronym, D-O-E-S. D is deep processing. Is this someone who just thinks more than the other people. And in humans, we think it's 20 to 30%. New research is coming out that it could be as many as 30% with half of those being on the higher end of sensitivity and half being still highly sensitive, but not as high. So if you think, you know, 10 times more about everything than other people around you, you probably have D, deep processing. And I'm going to skip the O because it's the only negative thing. And you have to understand the other three to get why over arousal is such a um, challenge for us. E is strong emotional reactions. So the amygdala part of the brain is actually more reactive when people with this trait are looking at emotional content, whether it's a commercial on TV or, um, you know, hearing a touching story from a friend, whatever it is, or seeing somebody who's, who's having strong feelings or an animal who's in trouble, right? This, you have mm-hmm. a much stronger reaction and literally the functional MRI studies show the brains are firing like crazy in these folks. So it's stronger with empathy than it is with negative things. So now I always say parents, you do not have, you cannot expect your highly sensitive child to have greater empathy toward their siblings. Siblings are inherently overstimulating to highly uh, sensitive people, right? And to their siblings in general. Yes. So that's not a place for empathy, but maybe they really care about, they become environmentalists or they, they're good with younger children. Oh. Uh, my son, when he was in preschool, even when he was three, the teacher's one-year-old was in the class and he was the one who was always holding, think about a three-year-old boy. All right, everybody, he's highly active, highly intense you know, like and not, not what you would think of as a sweet, easy <laughs> three-year-old boy, but because his empathy was so strong, he always had that one-year-old in his lap, holding her during class, during story time. And he's had lots of young children around him throughout his growing up. S is sensitivity to subtle stimuli. And that's what you were referring to at the beginning, Janet, the, the mm-hmm. light, the sound, the taste, the smell, the ugh, every little thing, the, the scratchy clothes, the sand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, my... textures, food. Oh, right, right. We can get a lot of eating things going on with these children. And mm-hmm. I don't know if my son would appreciate me saying this, but for his entire life, including to this day, he he wears only certain kinds of boxers. Like the elastic mm-hmm. is not on the inside touching his skin. It's covered by fabric and they're above the waistband of his jeans. Like his mm-hmm. the the waistband of his pants cannot touch his skin. And um, he has a thing about styrofoam, like he can't touch styrofoam and erasers all growing up. He couldn't erase his own work. Somebody had to erase for him. 
And so, you know, they wanted to do lots of assessments on him. You know, he's got some problems, clearly. And, um, you know, but, and it can, so there's sensory processing disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Different than just sensitivity to subtle stimuli, but highly sensitive children who um, are more sensitive and also maybe their lives are not, you know, helping them protect them enough can develop sensory processing disorder. Your brain can Mm -hmm. go there for sure. So that's Mm -hmm. where you really can't manage the sensory input. Whereas for me, I mean, listen, I got my problems, but I know for a fact that if I close my eyes for 30 seconds, I'm going to come right back down to more self-regulation because 80% of the stimulation comes in through the eyes. Mm. So that leads us to the O of DOES over arousal is a psychological term. You could say overwhelmed or overstimulated when you're talking to your kids or your, your spouses about it. O is the only negative aspect of this. And if you can live your life so that you have time to do the thinking, and I would say, if you're planning to get out of, out of the house in time for school in the morning, you have to schedule that half hour for daydreaming. When, you know, there you know go. the children you lose in their room, you, you tell them to go get dressed or go pick up their backpack and they disappear for 15 minutes. That's because they're, they're processing something. So mm-hmm. you have to schedule all that, all that time in to prevent over arousal. You know, I thought about that as you were talking about deep processing, you know, thinking about this from the perspective of, of parenting a child. Yes, these are good things. Deep processing, beautiful gift, sensitivity, subtlety, you know, all of these things are good things. But when they are in the four-year-old child that you are trying to get out the door, it can yeah. be really difficult, especially you know, even if you are also a highly sensitive person, so on some level, intellectually, you understand this, like the world oh, but doesn't it's worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're getting stimulated. And it, it, so help us understand how to respect and manage this in the course of you know, meeting the demands of daily life, which do require things like getting the kid in the car to go to school or the grocery store. Cause we're out of whatever food we need. You know, since we're about boys here and we're all boy experts, just by the nature of having raised boys, and I'm sure we've all done a lot of research and studying, um, we can bring it there too. And I think to a little more specifically, but one of the things that's happened in parenting in this era is that we are very child-centered and child-focused. And let me tell you, that's a lot better than being child abusers and child neglectors, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. basically what our culture was for many, many years. I'm glad we're so much more child focused at the same time. These are not children that benefit from looseness. Mm. These are children Mm -hmm. who need a lot of structure in their lives. I need a lot of structure. I'll never forget. My therapist taught me to, to put in my calendar, the time it takes to drive to my appointments, you know, don't don't be in denial. You know, if you, if your child uses a sonic air to brush their teeth, it's a two minute timed toothbrush for those who don't know. Does that mean that toothbrushing takes two minutes? No. It takes five minutes to get them to the bathroom and then a minute of dilly dallying and putting the toothpaste on two minutes of actual brushing. And then, you know, God only knows how many minutes of rinsing. So what you do and anybody who wants to come to my website, it's just my name, elainefriend.com. I have a free video on this technique there. It's called backwards scheduling. I invented this. It's you will laugh. I, I, I really, I trademarked it because it's so simple. But all you do is you, even at four, you can start this. You make a list of everything that needs to happen before you get out of the house. And I think this is even especially good for boys because concrete is often good. 
yeah. for, yes. for boys. And, um, you know, they're better at seeing the goal. I always wish I, if I, if it didn't make me get hair, I would take testosterone because I really would love to be more concrete, <laughs> but you, you have a list of all the things that they want to do in the morning and you, you can meet with them. Even the four-year-olds mm-hmm. say, it seems like this, 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 and this will all happen. All need to happen. And you also want to play with your Legos or, um, you know, read or listen to your recorded book or something like that. So you find all the things and maybe you just want some time to hit snooze when you're getting to the older boys, right? Mm-hmm. And you write all those things down. And then you spend one week timing how long mm-hmm. each of those things take. Give your kid a stopwatch. If they're young, give them an old fashioned stopwatch. They're really fun. And then you mark down on your list of things to do, how long it takes each thing. And then you decide what time do you need to get out of the car? And these are children who I'm sorry, moms and dads, but mostly moms. I'm sorry, but these are children who have need to get to school 20 minutes early. Because when they get there, they also need time to process. So it's if too you, overwhelming to just be like tossed in and expected to switch over. Yeah, especially from the carpool. That makes which sense. is totally overstimulating. So you you take everything and you just change what time we leave for school. If it takes 20 minutes to get to school and you're supposed to be there at eight and you've been leaving at 740, this is creating overstimulation in the parent and the child. So wow. and let me say this. What is good for highly sensitive people and highly sensitive children is good for all children. Like what Mm. child wouldn't benefit from being there 20 minutes early to play in the yard or visit with their Mm -hmm. friends or hang out and just have some time to breathe. When do they get that in their lives? We've got them going like this all the time, running, running, running. So, um, so you say, okay, we want to leave the house at seven 20. And we've added up all these things that, that need to happen. And, and I always put them, I type them up on, you know, a list of thirds on a piece of paper, printed them out. There was a whole thing of them stapled together and they were, they were hanging from his room with a pen and he could check them off as he went. And, and they were, we put what time and we didn't write the times in the computer. We added the times because it changed. It changes, right? What order you want to do them. That's why you've got them on the computer. You can change it or you can do a, you know, paint a whole wall with chalkboard paint and write the whole schedule up there, whatever you want to do it. But you have these things and there's no, nobody can be in denial. And if they want to sit at breakfast for 40 minutes, then they're going to have to get up at six. And we know that children all the way through their childhood, all the way through 21 need between 10 and 12 hours of sleep a night. Our high school kids and college kids getting it? No, but that's what they need for their brain development. Mm -hmm. So then you say, okay, well, if you, if we have all these things, that's, you know, six, So that means we need to be in bed by seven. So we're asleep by eight. Yeah. It impacts the other end. They get to choose. They get to choose. I like that because when you make it so concrete like that, it allows and empowers the child to have input and to make some choices too, because, oh, well, if I don't really want to get up that early or go to bed that early, then maybe I don't actually need to play with Legos in the morning before school. Or you play with Legos for five minutes. Yeah. You can instead of 20. Yeah. Yeah. And and you give them the power of the time. This episode is sponsored by, by heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about by heart baby formula. By heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. 
It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S. made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. These children are so thoughtful, so thinking. And then when you take the surprise, I mean, let's, everybody can think right now about when do you feel overwhelmed in your life? Often it's when the unexpected happens. It's when that one more thing happens. Like I got nothing done yesterday because my kid's packing in Massachusetts at college. There was a whole big stramush about it and it threw me off my game. And I, I didn't do like five things I was supposed to do yesterday. Well, that happens to everybody, but it impacts highly sensitive brains more because we're thinking so much. We need yeah. time to think. So, so let's take the surprise out of it. 
Yeah, taking the surprise out of it. And Elaine, I heard you say for you, closing your eyes for 30 seconds is a reset. What are some other strategies that highly sensitive adults can use, but also can teach their children to use? Good question. You know, I just, I want to really say that in the highly sensitive parent, the book by Elaine Aaron. So if you're a highly sensitive parent, you'll want to grab that book and read it. She says, this is kind of depressing, but she says, if you're highly sensitive, have only one child, if it's not too late or question whether you're going to have children at all. Because it's so overstimulating for us. Too late, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We all teach our kids the best by doing. They are watching us. Role modeling. So closing your eyes and taking a breath, learning breathing exercises and doing, you know, I'll tell you just one of my favorite ones. It's called the box breath. It's not unique, but the way I work with sensitive boys, especially, I learned this from a 10 year old, highly sensitive boy. A box breath is just where you, um, you inhale as you, your eyes, if everybody's probably looking at a screen, well, maybe you're listening, but I bet you have your phone in your hand. So you inhale up one side of the screen, hold your breath as your eyes travel the top of the screen, exhale as you go down the other side of the screen, and then hold your breath as you go down the bottom of the screen. Now, if you're looking at, uh, thumbnail in a zoom meeting, it's likely to be horizontal. So your inhale and your exhale is quick are quicker and your hold is longer. But if you're looking at Mm -hmm. your phone, then Mm -hmm. your inhale and your, there's my, (laughs) then your inhale and exhale are longer and your hold is shorter. What the boys do, which is so lovely is they actually go to the window or the brick or the dresser or the chalkboard or the TV and run their finger up the side along down and across. So I've got my family saying, um, if anybody's feeling stressed, somebody just says box. Mm -hmm. And then everybody looks around the room or around there, there are rectangles and squares everywhere. People, this, this kid is amazing. And they go and they run their hand. and, And if you can't reach the top of the window, then you, you reach up, you know, you follow it with your finger. So there's one really good tool, but if you're not doing, if you're just spinning out and we all spin out, it happens yep. and it's normal. And, but the best way to do it, I'm, I'm sure you all coach this all the time is you say, wow, I am so overwhelmed. I am spinning out. I'm out of control. I'm losing it. When you notice that that's happening, you can say something out loud. I'm noticing that I'm holding my breath. My volume is going up. My, my, I'm getting hot my clothes feel tight. All those things that happen when, when stress, overwhelm, anxiety, those things, we all know when they're coming, you say it out loud, then you call for support to do one of these activities with little kids. I like in the car, even just every time you're going to get out of the car, you say, let's close our eyes. We're going to close our eyes for 10 seconds and everybody count out loud. It's fun for them to count to 10. You know, little ones love to count to 10 as soon as they can. And even if they're too young, you're still counting to 10. They'll be counting to 10 in you know, three days. Yeah, you're you're Every building time. number awareness also at the same yeah. time. Win-win. And little ones can't cl- keep their eyes closed. So they cover <laughs> their eyes. And that's fine too. It's actually good for big ones too. It makes your eyes close a lot darker. So you just close your eyes and count to 10. And you're just teaching these fun little games. I really love, I'll give you one more tool. I love alternate side tapping, bilateral tapping. 
It doesn't, there's all kinds of tapping things on YouTube. You can look it up. My favorite YouTube channel for parents and kids is Brain Power Wellness. They have a lot of really cool calming your brain activities. And they're often, they're one minute long, which is really nice. But I've taken this for highly sensitive people. I notice it doesn't matter how we tap or where we tap. So you could just do it on, on either thigh and you just tap your, your hands alternately, not both at the same time, left, right, left, right. Janet and I are both doing this right now. Doing this. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Often I do this during interviews because it calms me down. Yeah. So you're just tapping the desk or the, your, no, your body or your body, your thighs or your thighs or, or your cheekbones. Okay. Or you can do your, um, you know, your chin, your jawbone. You can mm-hmm. do your chest right in front of your shoulders. I like, and I find boys do really well. I learned this from the horses. I, I do T-touch on the horses and it's used on people, horses, all animals now. Um, but they say, you know, some will like a flat hand. Some will like a fingertip. Some will like the pads of your fingertips. But I find works really well for me and sensitive boys because I have a very strong, highly sensitive boy inside me is to make a loose fist. I don't know if you've ever had a massage therapist moms do this where they they kind of pound on you with a loose fist Mm -hmm. and it makes sort of a hollow sound. And this is a really good, you can just tap all all up and down one arm or one side of your body. Just do a little bit on each side. All of this kind of stuff, it just you know, uh, the hamster wheel, the monkey mind, the looping brain, when you get overwhelmed, it interrupts it, it pulls us off. And it's something that's fun and easy to do. That is super interesting because one thing that a lot of parents, moms, especially, you know, we get anxious and upset and worried when we see boys going into physical play, when we see boys wrestling each other, when we see boys punching at each other, right? Sometimes I think that they, they're doing these things for themselves and for each other without fully realizing what they're doing. I mean, this yes, is, I love that. I'm doing it right now. I'm making my little fist and I'm doing it on my arms and I'm not hurting myself, but yeah, that, that is a physical release in a way that me just sitting here at my desk isn't. Yeah. And brings you into your body. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, I love um, my son in in elementary school went to Waldorf education and a brilliant Waldorf kindergarten teacher is the best teacher for parents anywhere. And one of the things that, that they're really famous for is giving the, the active children who need to get a little settled right? Something heavy to deliver to a classroom on the other end of the school, like a 10 pound bag of rice or flour. You know, Uh, um, Mr. Smith is going to do baking with the eighth graders today and he needs to borrow this flour and you send the the kid, it's it's often the boys to carry this 10 pound bag of flour, you know, down to the other end of the school. He needs it as quickly as possible. And so they have something meaningful to do, but it also gives them this physical need. Mm -hmm. Um, Another Waldorf kindergarten, I learned that from a Waldorf kindergarten, something they do with my child was he would become so overstimulated by circle time. So much going on. Yes. And he would often, he was very active as well. Not all highly since there are nine temperaments that we think about in psychology Um, in young children, they're present in everybody that you can't change them, but you can work with them. Right. So Mm -hmm. in early childhood, you see them most evidently they don't tuck it in. Before seven, children just really don't <laughs> tuck anything in. And, you know, it's it's our job to make room for them to be, 
but also to model tucking it in. So by first grade, hopefully they're starting to learn to tuck a little bit in so they can be in the classroom. Some highly sensitive children really can't tolerate the big classroom. But one thing that they that this teacher did, and I've I've adapted this for many of my clients, they had um, my son hold the gnome and the gnome was was as big as his trunk. And during story time, he was in charge of, of babysitting the gnome. And I think back to the earlier preschool, right? When That's he what had I a little girl holding that, against holding his that tummy and his chest. Yeah. 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 And so he would be holding the gnome and he wouldn't need to suck his thumb as much. He would, he had a job to do with his hands, but he was squeezing it against himself and getting that sensory processing. And I, the, you know, in terms of sensory processing disorder, there are so many amazing tools that the occupational therapists have developed so many amazing tools. They're all good for all children, especially for highly sensitive children. So another one is that, you know, sometimes, especially highly sensitive kids, especially the boys might have a hard time say moving from wherever they are in the classroom to the bathroom where they have to go through all the other kids, Mm. you know, and in early childhood and also elementary school, um, in preschool and, and kindergarten, there could be a cape that you use to get to the bathroom and you wrap it around yourself. It could be even over your head. But when it. you wrap the cape or the cloak and it can just be a square silk like the Waldorf classrooms all have, you pull it around yourself tight. Your hands have something to do and you have a barrier and you have that, that nice container, that, that strong feeling as you go through the classroom. And then it can help you keep from punching the other children as you go by. I'm giggling yeah. here because as a mom of boys, I am acutely aware that you need to be really careful how long this cape is because you do not want it to inadvertently, you know, uh, you know what I mean, parents. Yeah. Uh, leave the cape I, at the door. Maybe huh? we don't want anybody yeah. peeing on the cape. Oh yeah. That's yeah, yeah. All no, I'm the saying. cape stays outside. And <laughs> the cape, leave minutes. the cape at the door. A 30-inch square silk. <laughs> but yes, so true. So something, you know, another thing is for, for these children to have a way that is still in the classroom that gives them a break. And I, I just mm-hmm. uh, made a video on my YouTube channel called, about timeout okay. and um, how to use timeout. And, you know, the, the secret, I'll just tell you the punchline right now. Timeout means moms put a lock on your bedroom or bathroom door and go in there and lock it. That's timeout. You need a timeout. <laughs> Well, your when you own. start doing that for yourself, right, you teach your child that they need to do it. So where mm-hmm. in their environment can they do that? You know, where is there a hammock or a little tent or just a couch that's in the back of the classroom, maybe even has a screen, a room divider in front of it so they can still hear, but they can get a timeout. So is would it be okay for these children to say, turn their chair backwards at dinner? So the, the back of the chair is between their body and the dinner table, or maybe even to stand up at dinner or to start dinner five or 10 minutes before everyone else and leave five or 10 minutes early. In fact, some highly sensitive children, by the time dinner comes around, they got nothing left to be with people. And maybe dinner is not the family meal. If you have a really challenged, highly in a busy family, Maybe it's, it's breakfast when everybody needs to sit down and they need to eat dinner probably much earlier too, because as their body processes the calories, it's going to keep them up. So we want to make sure that they are, they are getting their protein in much earlier in the day. So, you know, how can you teach them to take space at a meal? And what if they have misophonia? 
you guys are you familiar with misophonia probably many of your listeners are not that's the sensitive to chewing right yes it's sensitive oh, sound to hearing sensitivity chewing? to to yeah oral sounds it can't it doesn't have to just be chewing it can be other things too but i have it both my parents who are both highly sensitive have it so i came by it both you know, genetically and environmentally. Yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you, it's the real deal. It is an anxiety attack when people are making noise eating. It can be so serious. And if they feel so powerless and like, we do not want our kids wearing headphones at the dinner table, right? That's not what family dinner is, but these are children who may, maybe they will be me and I'll just make it a public amends right now to Kara and Amber, my little sisters. I sat across from the table at them, growled at them, yelled at them, screamed at them, snarled at them through every family dinner and, and told them to stop smacking. And I felt you know, kind of self-righteous as a 10, 12-year-old because those were poor manners, right? I terrorized these girls because, because I was having an anxiety attack. And at 10 and 12, it's kind of peak self-righteous stage. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? So, you know, I probably needed earplugs or even noise canceling headphones. And, you know, maybe I could have them off for part of the dinner. But when I had, when my cup got full and I was bursting out of my skin. So we're always just looking for accommodations that will make it work. This is so important for parents to hear, both to have ideas for their own families, their own children, and let's show compassion when you are at a restaurant and you see a kid at a table with headphones on and you're like, this kid should be engaging with their family. What terrible parents. No, you don't know what is going on. Let's Mm, please trust that families are doing the best they can in the moment. And there is very likely something going on that you don't know about. What a gift that the kid can be there in the restaurant, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm almost in tears thinking about this, Elaine, as the families that I work with, you know, we're always trying to, well, the question on every parent's mind is, you know, is my kid typical? Is this a normal behavior, normal air quotes behavior? And Jen and I say it all the time, parent the child that you have, not the child that you, that society is telling you that you have. And what you shared with us today is so much about just really paying attention to these sensitivities and making accommodations. I'm curious, is there a genetic component to high high sensitivity? Tell, Tell us a little bit about that. So it's really um, interesting and important. So these are families who, and it's not always that so many people in the family will, but often because they're raising the philosophers, the shamans, the advisors, the world leaders who tone down the other world leaders, you know, so we're raising these children who can really go out and change the world if they don't. And if they have a hard life and they're not understood, they're more likely to, to deal with depression and anxiety when they grow up, but they're also more likely everything you do, they're more likely to improve from it. Everything you do for them, they soak up like a sponge twice, if not five times more than children who don't have this trait. And I just want to say for a moment about boys, especially boys are a little harder to recognize, right? It's like Mm -hmm. hard. It's hard to diagnose depression in girls because they might get quiet. Well, boys who are highly sensitive, they might often be put on the autism spectrum or called avoidant because they're withdrawing more in order to protect Mm -hmm. themselves from the overstimulation. We don't have space 
in our society still, even though we want mm-hmm. men to be sensitive, we sure as hell don't want them to be highly sensitive. Like, ooh. Mm-hmm. so how do we make space for these boys to ma- to maybe be a little more thoughtful, a little softer? And then the active, the highly active, highly sensitive boys. Yes, of course, they're going to look ADHD when they're overwhelmed, but when they're not overwhelmed, their focus is exquisite. In fact, you wish they would focus a little less and be less perfectionist, right? So how do we really honor that being a 50% of highly sensitive people are male identified or boys? And so how do we make space for these boys to be boys? You know, it's so important. There's a lot of movement around highly sensitive men and boys right now um, and, and finding the way. But I, I just want to give a little pitch for the, the documentary film, Sensitive, the Untold Story. And mm. um, it's a, about Elaine Aaron's journey of finding it. And there's a dramatization of a family that has a highly sensitive little boy in it and um, and the parents. And I'm not going to give the, the um, you know, I'm not going to give away the story, but it's a really beautiful telling of what it's like. And all these links will be in the show notes, right, Jen? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it is particularly challenging for highly sensitive boys to fit in, to find their place in a society that, as you said, we're still like, we're having all these conversations about what's a boy, what's a man, what's okay, what's not okay. And yet there are not spaces that are necessarily existing or friendly. Your son, it sounds like had an incredibly nurturing and welcoming school. That's not the case for a lot of our boys. And that's reality for a lot of our families. And when school isn't that, then you are working almost even more in your home to try and, you know, we want our boys to grow up feeling good about themselves. Yeah. And that can be hard when a lot of these messages seem to be saying to a boy who you are is not okay. That's right. So, you know, one of the most important things we can do for children to build resiliency is to give them adults who see them, who truly see them, who are not their parents. Our pa- the parents are very important, but to, to raise resilient boys, they need adults, men and women, highly sensitive and not highly sensitive, who really see their gifts and really know who they are so that they have this, the village, and not to be trite, but the village is a real deal. We've lost mm-hmm. it. And our culture, it turns out that highly sensitive boys in some older cultures, say uh, Native American cultures who are living the the old culture, Mm -hmm. um, many Asian countries, the research shows that especially highly sensitive boys, they're the most popular boys in Shanghai Mm -hmm. middle schoolers, in Thailand, in more ancient civilizations. We are a very young civilization in the U.S. and Canada. We need the 80% who are not highly sensitive out there swinging their swords, conquering the world for better or for worse. It's a really important thing that our culture for these last several hundred years has valued that more. But I think this is the time. This is why I, I want to talk about sensitive boys. This is the time where our culture is needing to shift and ready to shift. So when we honor these boys, we talk about them. We make relationships with the schools and explain about this. Mm-hmm. We give them the, you know, the strong sensitive boy, the book by Ted Zeff um, is, is a, just a really beautiful um, telling. And there's a list of recommendations for teachers in there. We get in there and we really educate about it. Then we can create space for these boys to grow up and, and, you know, 
be amazing partners, amazing leaders, and world changers. And amazing fathers. I really like what you said about we need all of us. We need the sword swingers. We do. And we need the deep processors. And this is something that I have been pondering myself over the la- these last few days. We are recording this just days after the, the massacre and the school shooting in Texas, which as a highly sensitive and empathetic person has thrown me for a loop. I have gotten hardly anything done. And I finally realized yesterday for the first time that I think the world needs people who don't just get up and do the next thing. We need people who can act immediately. We need first responders. We need emergency personnel. We need those. That's not me. I sit with it. I absorb it. I feel it. I take it in. And I've beat myself up for that in the past. But the world needs that too. And that's a message that we need to share with ourselves, with each other, and with our boys. Because when you are a young boy and you are growing up in the society and you see, you know, all the accolades that the sword swingers get and the people who leap into action, you can feel like there's something wrong with you or you're not the thing the world needs. And what you're saying, this is the time we need highly sensitive people to be part of our society, to do their parts, to lead us in other ways. Our boys need to hear that. Yes. And if we raise them to feel good about their sensitivity, then they will. These children do not need help being forced out. We don't need to teach them how to be out in the world. They are so thoughtful. They're better at being out in the world than, than everybody else. We don't have to teach them. We don't have to push them. They're going to do it slower because they're going to do it thoughtfully. And so as long as we honor their way while still teaching them to toe the line Mm -hmm. and be a part of the family, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And, you know, and, and though sometimes we're going to adapt school and accommodate them too. Gosh, it's hard. I always say, I write a I wrote a men's letter to my parents. I was no easy child to raise. So I have (laughs) such compassion for the parents of these kids. You didn't sign up for this. You know, mm-hmm. even though maybe universally in the genetic code you may have, but you didn't sign up to raise one of these really, really challenging world changers. Yeah. But it's a gift. It's not gifted in terms of IQ. We're spread around in terms of IQ, but these are gifted children who are seeing yeah. the truth in the world. And it's a lot harder to raise them. So thank you for yeah. doing it. My heart goes out to you. I'm literally still spinning. And, you know, the, the research on adolescent brains and, you know, thinking especially about Frances Jensen and the teenage brain, and she did a summary of all the research. She says pretty much we're going to see adolescent brain until 28 to 30. Yep. Yep. We talk so, about that often. It's, oh, Elaine, it's a strong, long fight. Stay in there. It's the long game for sure. Yeah. Well, you have certainly given us some refreshing insight along with that. We're all about practical strategies here too. And so having this, this picture, and I just encourage our listeners to maybe sit with this for a while and, and deeply process this because this is, this is life-changing. It is relationship connection changing to have this perspective that you shared with us today. So I really thank you for that. And where let's, let's let our listeners know where they can find more. You've got a YouTube channel and yes, please do look me up. My name's spelled funny. So it's in the show notes and, um, look me up on YouTube and come to my website, elainefriend.com. I've got a 
a blog and lots and lots and lots of free content for people because it's my mission to change the world for these highly sensitive children and youth. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Wow, there were some super good strategies in there that you can start using. They're free. And check out Elaine's YouTube channel also. All the links will be in the show notes. Thank you, dear listeners. I am Janet Allison of boysalive.com, and my co-host is Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Don't forget, Building Boys Bulletin, you want to have this in your life. It is an exquisite treasure filled with all of the current information that you need to know to be the best boy advocate that you can be. Your boys need you to be that person. Buildingboys.net, click the subscribe button. Thanks for joining us. And if you know a highly sensitive person or a parent who is parenting a highly sensitive person, please share this podcast with them. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.